opening. My name's Tony. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Gateway. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're so happy you're here. Uh, we would love to connect with you in your seats in front of you. There are some welcome cards. Feel free to fill those out uh, while I speak. Um, don't doodle on them, though. Don't take your sermon. You, you have a bulletin for sermon notes, so take the card, and we'd love to learn who you are. Fill that out. At the end of the service, we'll take our offerings and uh, ties, and then you can drop that into the plate. Let me just start today by saying uh, one of the greatest frustrations for me in life, and maybe for you too, is to know where you want to go, but not know how to get there. For someone like me, who I'm a little of a control freak, not not a big one. There's my staff laughing at me, um, and people that know me well. You know, to to get to where you need to go, you know, to know the destination but not know the direction is frustrating. And maybe you've seen this played out in your, f- in your family car. Probably not so much today, but I remember a day when you'd get all the kids in the car and dad was driving and mom was in the co-pilot seat and uh, you were on vacation and you were traveling and out comes the big giant Atlas map, Right? And, and you're not sure where you need to go. You know the destination. You know where you need to go. You just don't quite know how to get there. And so maybe you've seen this played out in the front seat. Mom is reading the map. And dad's, and mom's saying, it's saying L47. And she's on the map. And some of you who under, are old enough know what I'm talking about. The old fold-up maps. You know, they had... You know, you'd go to the back index and it'd say, well, where's Angola, Indiana? And it would say L47 or something like that. And you'd go on the map and they had all these coordinates on there and you try to find where you need to go. And mom's sitting there trying to read this map. And of course, back then when I was a kid, we didn't, we had 80-20, you know, 80-40 or whatever air conditioning, four windows down and 80 mile an hour down the road. So the wind's blowing and the map's blowing. Mom's trying to read the map. Dad's not listening. And there's a debate going on on which turn to take. And then mom would say, turn here! But we're already halfway past it, right? And so this argument, and dad's refusing. Finally, mom gives up, wads the map up, throws it out the window and says, just stop and ask someone. And dad refuses to stop. We didn't always have ways. We didn't always have smartphones. We didn't always have Google Maps. You know, we couldn't just pull up a map. And I learned this when we were on our retreat up in northern, uh, northeastern New York. We got up in there and didn't even have cell service. And we're trying to find where we're going. And we depend so much on that GPS, right? But when there's not cell service or internet or anything like that, yeah, Made for some fun times in the Baker car, trying to figure out where we were going. We didn't have all these things. I remember when I was in college, I graduated, I became an admissions counselor. This is when Olivet Nazarene University was smaller. There were three of us and four states. They gave me Michigan and Wisconsin. And I remember for two years, zigzagging those states. I can remember being up in northern Wisconsin, and I had no idea. You know, they didn't have a lot of main roads. You know, you had side roads, and sometimes the pavement turned to gravel and all these things. And 
they gave us a phone, a bag phone. Some of you are like, what's a bag phone, right? At least if you're like, my kids are younger. We didn't have cell phones. We had bag phones. And then they would say, only use it in an emergency. Because it's like $100 a minute, right? And so only use it in an emergency. So we didn't have phones. We didn't have GPSs. We had maps. And we would print off our instructions. And I remember zigzagging when I was in Detroit or somewhere like that. And I'm trying to find this little church or this little high school or this campus. And it's just hard. There were times I just felt maybe a little bit like these two guys. Watch. They're going to Aspen. That wasn't the way to Aspen. What's that? Come on! Stop being a baby! So we backtracked a tad! Tad! A tad, Lloyd! You drove almost a sixth of the way across the country in the wrong direction! Now we don't have enough money to get to Aspen, we don't have enough money to get home, we don't have enough money to eat, we don't have enough money to sleep! It's not going to do us any good to sit here whining about it. We're in a hole. We're just going to have to dig ourselves out. Okay, all right, you're right. You're absolutely right, Lloyd. Where are you going? Home. I'm walking home. Oh, well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never, ever make a mistake. You ever feel like that in life? You're going to Aspen and you miss a turn and you go a sixth of the way across the country only to wake up and realize, where's the Rocky Mountains, right? Life is a journey. Our Proverbs in chapter 3 and verse 6 says this, Seek His will in all you do, listen, and He will show you which path to take. The Proverbs writer lays this out in this concept and idea that life is like a journey with many different roads, many different paths. There's right turns and left turns, turn arounds, go straight, go back. All of these decisions to make in life. And sometimes we live our life and we make wrong decisions like going to Nebraska instead of Colorado only five hours later or years later. To wake up and realize, I've been going the wrong way. 
The modern songwriter says, life is a highway, I want to write it all night long. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun, but which road, which highway should I take? There are so many paths for us to take in life. And the truth is, is that each and every one of us has the power to choose. That's what the Proverbs is all about. That's what chapter 3 is all about. To help us choose wisely. For us to use wisdom. And we've talked about this. Wisdom is not information. Wisdom is not education. Wisdom is not understanding. Wisdom is not looking at everything and coming to some understanding and saying, okay, now I'm wise. No. Wisdom is the ability to take the information and the understanding and the education and the experience and make a good choice. It's... It's a synthesis of all this information, of all that we see and experience, including God's Word, and to take that and to make a decision that's wise. To take a path that God shows us so that we don't wake up one day and realize I've been on the wrong road for way too long. Trying to get to a destination without clear direction often leads us to just going in circles in life. Some of us, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The same mistakes, the same bad relationships, the same bad career choices, the same bad financial choices, the same circle. And we're just on it. Sometimes it's like ending up in a place and it's a place you realize, I didn't want to be here. There's no joy. There's no happiness. And sometimes trying to get to a destination without a clear direction sometimes leads us to just being lost and feeling like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what choices to make now. And we become gun-shy in life. And it creates anxiety and it creates stress and it creates a frozenness in life. We get stuck. None of us have always made the right choices. I've made my fair share of foolish decisions. Whether it's in relationships, whether it's with my career, whether it's with my finances, it's not easy to know the right path. It's not like having a GPS that speaks to you while you drive. 300 feet away, turn right in 300 feet. It's not always that easy. So Proverbs 1, as Pastor Brandon said, showed us the importance of seeking wisdom. It's important that we seek it. It's important that we go after it. But Proverbs 2 instructed us how to pursue it. We don't just seek it, but we seek it with our whole heart, with all that is in us. And then today we're going to be in Proverbs 3. And the main theme of this Proverbs is helping us get to our destination, helping us take this journey of life and being successful at it. Success is a major theme of this proverb. A successful journey will require us to follow some road signs. This is the great thing. God doesn't just put us on this journey of life and not give us directions. Not give us signs that tell us where to go and when to turn. Our wise teacher gives us a few signs. And I just want to look at some of those this morning. Success in our life journey will require us to just follow the signs. 
and you'll get there. So let's start reading in Proverbs chapter 1. Now, here's something I'm going to do. The Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 12 is broken up this way. He gives an instruction, and then he has what we call, in biblical language, call it a cause statement. It's like, okay, do this, and by doing this, there's this cause, this, this reason, because here's what's going to happen. Like this. Don't eat glue and your stomach won't get sick, right? So he does this thing. So here's what I'm going to do. Verses 1, oh, let's just do this. 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11 are the statements. These are the signs. Verses 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 are the cause. We're not going to read the cause. We're not going to read the reason. We're not going to read the result of doing the instruction. We're going to start with just the instructions, and then we'll get to the reason why. Verse 1, my child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. The first road sign is this, be sincere. Be sincere. Be focused and sincere in your journey the Word of God must become a primary of, of primary importance to you in your journey. Be sincere about the Word of God. Be sincere about your relationship with God. Be sincere. Remember that it's important. We remember, listen, we remember what's important to us, don't we? We write them on our hearts. I can think of a lot of occasions where I was in my car with my three daughters and a certain song that I'd never heard came on the radio. And to my amazement, from the back seat came all three girls in unison singing word for word the song that was on the radio. And I remember turning back around to them many times and saying, where did you learn this song? Oh, we heard it a couple times on the radio. I'm like, how do you remember the words? I mean, I've got songs I've been listening to since the 80s, right? 70s and 80s, and, and they're my favorite songs. And I still, when they come on the radio and I start singing them, I stumble on the words. And they remember the words like, like somebody's saying them in their ears or they're reading them, and they just know the words. As a matter of fact, they might even be singing the words better than the artist on the radio. And I would say to them, you know, how do you remember the words? And I'm reminded that their minds are like little lock boxes, And the things that are important to them, the things they love, the things that they cherish, the things that are of importance to them, they remember. But I also remember sitting around a table studying for a test on a subject that they just hate. And they can't even tell me what 2 plus 2 is. It's an exaggeration. We remember what we love and what's important to us. Forgetting God's Word is not a mental flaw. It's a moral flaw. To forget the Word of God is not a memory issue, but it's a moral issue. It's a primary, it, it, it's a importance to me. It's what's important to me. It's what I love. It's what I want to cherish. It's the things that I write 
on my heart. The Word of God is something we go after with earnest and sincerity. Sincerity means it is at the top of the importance list in my life. How's the Word of God? The first sign that the the wise teacher teaches the student, when you are in life and you're going down that road and you're on the journey, be sincere about the Word of God. Remember it. Love it. Cherish it. Put it on your heart. The second sign is in verse 3. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Some of your Bibles, this is the New Living Translation. It, 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 trans, it translates this word chesed, loyalty and kindness. If you have an English Standard Version or an ESV, it'll say steadfast love. And faithfulness, if you have the NIV, your Bible says love and faithfulness. Very different words to interpret the same word. And here's why. The Hebrew word has said there is no good English translation for it. And here's why. Love in our culture and in our, in our understanding of what love is, is just inadequate it's an inadequate word to describe what hesed me is because of our romantic connotations of the word love. Love is close, but here's the deal. Hesed has so much more of a commitment meaning to it. A commitment of the will that I am making a decision with all my heart to be different. It's more than a feeling. It's a choice. In the Old Testament, the word is mostly used to give us this aspect of God's character. It is an attribute of God. Hesed means God is faithful and committed to you and to me. It's most used in the context of God's covenant with His people. God has this deep, committed loyalty and kindness. God has this deep, committed love and faithfulness toward His people. His character at the heart of who He is, at the core of who God is, His whole being is said, Loyal, kind, loving, faithful, committed to Himself, and to us. And our obligation as children of God is to show Hesed toward each other and back to Him. But here's the problem this is not easy. To be loyal and to be faithful and to be kind has a way of leaving us. And this is what the writer says, do not let loyalty and kindness leave you. We have a way of forgetting. We can be kind and loyal and loving in a moment, in a feeling, but to be kind and loving and loyal as character is difficult. But there's a solution. He says, tie them around your neck 
and write them on your heart. Faithfulness is more, hesed is more than just an external obedience. It's not like me coming to you, Jared, and said, Jared, you need to be kind and loyal. And you're going to say, yeah, I need to be more kind and more loyal. And yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm gonna, I, I tell you what, I'm, for the next week, I'm just going to do all kinds of loyal, kind things for my wife. She's like, that'd be great. But does that really change the core of who you are? You're just being obedient. You're doing things out of a duty or an obedience to maybe the law. The speaker, the teacher here, does not speak of faithfulness in the context of covenant. There's no call for him to say, he's not saying, okay, here's a command and a law of God, now go keep it. God commands you to be love. Okay, I'm going to go be love. It's not something you do. I'm getting to the heart of it here. Instead, he speaks of a real transformation of the heart. He's saying, when he says, tie it to your neck, write it deep in your heart. It's interesting, the neck and the heart are crucial pieces to understanding what it means to be loyal and faithful. In the Hebrew anthropology, the neck represents the throat. And in their anthropology, the throat is the very center of a person's life. It's it's their life source. He's saying, let love and kindness and faithfulness be at the very core of who you are. Tie it around your neck. And then he says, put it at the center, deep into your heart. And the heart was the center of the will. So you're making a decision to be different from the inside out. Love and faithfulness is not something that you strive to do as an act of kindness, but has said love, loyalty, kindness, steadfast love, being a loving person is something that you are from the inside out. The road sign instructs us to take a path that will fundamentally transform your character. You won't have to try to love. Your heart will be love. Our hearts, our lives will be faithful to God and to each other. It's a transformation of who you are. Number three, the third road sign. He says this in verse um, five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your understanding, on your own understanding. Here's the sign that God gives you. Yield to me. Yield to me. Yield to God. To yield to God means that I trust God. With all your heart means that you must trust God entirely. The journey of life will not go well for those who are divided on this commitment. We will miss the turns. We'll miss the U-turns and the, the rights and the lefts. We'll miss all that. And we'll take wrong paths that lead to pain and suffering because we did not trust the Lord and yield 
to his will. The temptation is for us to trust in the voices of our culture. To listen to what others are saying to me and to determine the direction that I will take. And the wise teacher is saying, no, trust with all your heart in God. He also says, do not depend on your own understanding, which means we must trust God exclusively. The temptation is to trust in our own understanding, our own inclinations, our own desires, our own feelings. The problem is, we've all made very big decisions in life on marriage and relationships and career and finances, and we've leaned on our feelings rather than on the Word of God. We don't trust God wholly and completely we mix in there a little bit of ourselves. And those are the decisions that we look back and go, wow, that was foolish of me. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says this, those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Remember last week I made a joke. It was a joke, but it's true. It drives me crazy when someone says, I don't know, man, just follow your heart. And I'm like, no, don't follow your heart. Your heart will play tricks on you. Feelings come and feelings go. Emotions are up, emotions are down. We look to our own understanding and God, and the, the, the writer saying, no, don't look to your own heart. Your heart will lead you astray. Look to God. Listen to God. Trust God. And He will lead you in the paths that you must go. To seek His will in all we do means that we trust God extensively. God is not Lord of my religion. God is Lord of every aspect of my life. We don't just give God lordship on Sunday or when I have a problem or when I feel like praying and feel spiritual. We give God the the reins of our entire life. Why? Because He's God. The problem is that we trust in our own understanding and we don't trust Him. We trust Him with our religion. But my families, my education, my finances, my relationships, my careers, yeah, I got it from here, God. Abraham, his his last name's hard to say, but I, I believe it's Kuiper. He has this quote. He says, In the total expanse of human life, there is not a single square inch in which the Christ, Jesus, who alone is sovereign, does not declare, that's mine. And Jesus comes to you and He points to these things in your life, your finances, your relationship, your marriages, your kids, your careers, all aspects of life, every moment of life, and He says, that's mine. Trust me with it. We're like, no. I can't let you have this. Because, you know, you might ask me to give it up, or you might want me to do this, or, you know... You might want me to quit my job and move to Africa as a missionary, right? 
and our minds start to go off. And it's just, it just really comes down to this basic concept. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? The fourth sign, verse 7. Do not impress, do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The fourth sign is this. If I had a sign, I'd put it up. Choose God's way. Period. Choose His way. Righteousness is at the heart of this verse. You say, well, that's a big religious word. What does it mean? Righteousness simply means to live life by God's standard. You say, well, that's impossible, isn't it? No. The Son of God came to earth so that we could be righteous. To say that it's impossible to be righteous would be to declare His act on the cross mute. Unnecessary. To live by God's standard, many times in life we have a choice. My way or God's way. And too many times we choose our way. And instead of my way, instead of my way and doing it the way I want to do it, we need to have a reverence and a fear for God. For the Lord, it simply means that you have humility in your heart to choose God's way over your own, knowing that even though you feel that you're being gypped on something, that God's way is the best way. You say, evil. What do you mean? I mean, when I think of evil, we think of like murderers and rapists and child molesters, and we think that's evil. Evil simply means the absence of God. How, much, how many of us in this room have made decisions without God? Then they're evil decisions. Because God wants to be Lord of your whole life. You say, are you saying I'm evil? Yeah, we all sometimes do things without God. God is good, and what's the opposite of that? Evil. So to be evil simply means to be without God. God, the absence of God's presence in that life. And some people have pushed God so far away and so God is so absent from their life that they behave in very outwardly evil ways. When God's presence is allowed control in a person's life, things change. You change. Your decisions change. We tend to think we can do this on our own. We don't need God. The writer is saying to us that God wants to be present in every aspect of your life and you need to yield to Him and choose His way. Evil tends to show up when we make decisions based upon what we want and not what God desires. The fifth sign is this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce. I'll start with a disclaimer. This is not Pastor Tony's verse. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Isn't it strange that in this 
instruction for a successful journey in life, he gives us this road sign called be generous. Success in life is not really about how much you accumulate in the end, but it's really about how much you give away. It might seem strange that the wise teacher would give us the sign of giving as a key path to success in life. But when you really understand what giving is, then you understand the secret to a successful life. Pastor, preachers always talk about church just wants my money. Well, let me let you in on something. Everyone wants your money. Just turn the TV on. And we are more than happy to give them our money for something we want. But when God's mission and God's vision for the world and for our community is in dire need of of funding and resources, we just say, God just wants my money. It's not about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. God understands that if you can let go of the, of the pocketbook, then He has your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And He knows if you can let go of your resources and you can get on board with God and trust Him with everything, including your finances, He has you. It's easy to lift our hands in worship to God. It's easy to go to church and to give a little, but it's hard to reach back and pull out the wallet. And God knows that. That's why Jesus talked more about money than prayer. Nothing in life has the power to crash your life to ruin your journey, to crash and burn who you are than the love of money. We worry about the big ones, adultery, lying, stealing, addictions. But the truth of the matter is, materialism, consumerism, and the pursuit of wealth is wrecking our lives. It's the source of many divorces and fights. It's the challenge that we all face. It wrecks us to honor God. And this is the key word of our verse today. It says, honor God with your wealth. Honor is the key word. Generosity is more than just giving money here and there and helping out there and serving there. It's more than that. Generosity... is about faith. When we honor God by showing that He is more important than my money, He will then show Himself to be Lord of the harvest. He is Lord of the harvest. Not only is He a mighty God who can move the mountains that you face, but He's also the Lord of the harvest who can provide for everything you've ever wanted and needed. He's that kind of God. But we 
don't see the Lord of the harvest because we don't have faith to give Him the first fruits. This might be the greatest test of our sincerity, of our faithfulness, of our yielding to God, doing it God's way. It might just be the greatest test of our love and faithfulness to God is how we give God our money. The best part, he says in the verse, or the first fruits in some translations, here's how it works. When you get paid, before you spend a dime, you give to God. You don't go and spend your money and then say, well, if I have anything left, then I'll give to God. Because here's the deal. You'll never give to God then. When the Proverbs writer says, give the first fruits, this is the concept of that. When you get paid or when you collect or when you get some resource given to you to live on, take the first of it, give it to God, and then you trust that God will make it work. There's the faith. That's the honoring. That's the giving. We don't spend our money and hope that God will have some left for Him at the end. Listen, don't don't miss this. Only a fool thinks that giving to God's work will make them poor. And last, my child... Don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when He corrects you. Get this. Here's a sign. Are you ready? Expect potholes. About potholes. Expect them. So what do you mean, Pastor, expect potholes? This means that in every journey, on every path, on every road, even though you're on the right path, it might be a little bumpy. There might still be some things that you need to trust God with in your life. You make the right turn. You go the right direction. But here's the deal. The journey will not be free of potholes. Even in God's way, in God's plan, there's bumpy rides. Getting to where God wants you to be, to be successful in life, is a left foot, right foot forward process it's a day by day decision by decision i know you're thinking wow can't there isn't there just a pill we can take right isn't there just a quick process isn't there just some experience that's going to make me wise and make me help me live this life no there is no fast track in god's transformational process every day is another mile on the journey with god Always something to learn. Always something to add. Always something to subtract. Always something to start. Always something to quit. Always something to correct. Always, 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 God is disciplining those He loves. Because there's always work to do. On you and on me. Embrace the discipline. And appreciate that God is still working on you. I wish there was some great narrative in this sermon. Some great story. But the truth of the matter is, uh, its literary typing, is, its genre is instruction. It's literally the wise teacher sits down with his students in the classroom and he says, Okay, okay, I'm going to teach you 
I'm going to teach you the secret to life. I'm going to teach you how to be successful. Got your notepads. I'm going to teach you how to have a life that's filled with joy, that's filled with happiness and abundance and, and goodness and more. Take out your note pad and your pen. Number one, that's literally what the Proverb 3 is doing. Be sincere when it comes to the Word. Love faithfully God and each other. Yield your will to God's will. Choose God's way every time. Be generous with your money and expect potholes because God's going to be working on you. And you say, that's great, Pastor, but why? Why is that important? Here's the reasons why you need to do and follow these signs. First, verse 2. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Verse 3. Just keep going. Four. Keep going with me. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Seek His will and in all you do and He will show you which path to take. Verse 8. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Then He will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. For the Lord corrects those He loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. Don't those verses sound like a lot about what people are after today? What they want in their life? You say, that's awesome, but how? I want to live a good life. I want to make good decisions. I want to honor God. I want my friends and my family to to look to me and, and say, wow, what a wise person. I only have one life to live, Pastor. I don't want to mess that up any more than I already have, right? How do you follow the signs? Because these seem really like, do I write them down? I mean, look at John 14. Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. But look what Jesus says, trust also in me. There are more than enough rooms for my father's in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Keep going. There you go. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. Sounds like a journey, doesn't it? Where I am. And you know the way. Oh, the way. The path. The direction. You know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. Doubtful Thomas. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And here it is. Jesus told them. I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know Him. And you've seen Him. Me. Jesus comes to earth. And He comes as sort of this New Secretary of Transportation. And his first order of business is, let's simplify the road signs. 
instead of a whole bunch of signs, let's just put one up. Follow that guy. Follow him. Follow Jesus. All are good and necessary, but we can get to where we want to be by following Jesus. Sometimes it means you have to repent. That means you have to turn away from the direction that you're going. You have to turn away and toward Him. You invite Him in. You talk to Him. You read about Him. You study Him. You gather information about Him. You build a relationship with Jesus. And then sometimes you have to surrender to Him. I'll get you to where you need to be, Jesus says. And it's going to be exciting. And it's going to be filled with joy. It'll be filled with goodness. It may be filled with some potholes and some bumps. But I'm with you always. Jesus is the way. Are you following? Would you stand with me and pray? I don't know where you're at today. turn that down there you go i don't know where we're at today where you're at today i don't know what direction you're going i don't know what path you're on my guess is is that you've taken some wrong turns in life you've chose badly we all have here's the key are you following the man named jesus the god man jesus Have you turned from your ways to Him? Have you turned your life to follow Him? Everybody pray this prayer with me. Pray it in your heart. Make it real. Pray it to Him. Father in Heaven, repeat after me. Father in Heaven, You know me. You love me. You want a relationship with me. You know every decision I've made. You know every decision I need to make. You know every challenge I face. I confess to you now, I am not following Jesus with my whole heart. Forgive me. I repent. I turn away from my way to Jesus' way. I need Your Holy Spirit producing me wisdom to build a life that brings You glory. Amen.